the Dossier Podcast with Jordan Schachtel. So it seems that the protests in Cuba are taking up a lot of the national conversation today, and I wanted to address this from my background in foreign policy, national security, and how the lessons of warfare in the 21st century are really important when we discuss the Cuba issue. So for, for those who haven't been following this issue, um, the Cuban people in Cuba have really stepped up and come out to protest against the communist regime that rules the country. And it seems that there's a significant faction that's protesting for their basic human dignity. Living under a communist regime, you don't really have any rights. Uh, they the Cuban government might pretend that they do, but they can pull any kind of executive fiat anytime they want and just violate the rights of the people because that's the reality of living under communism. Our corporate press has reported on this as if this is just um, the the Cuban people are going through tough times uh, due to COVID-19, which is just insane. Cuba has been an extremely impoverished country for so many decades. The Communist Party of Cuba has ruled the country since 1959. Cuba has been poor and miserable since. There's been a lot of reporting on Cuba from the corporate press that's been false. And Cubans have never had a... uh, lavish lifestyle. Only the the people connected to the Communist Party live decent lives, but the standard of living is awful. There's there's no solid health care system, monetary system. There's not a decent quality of life whatsoever. And I'm seeing a lot of people on the right talking about, you know, oh, we need to do something to support the Cuban people. And I think through private enterprise, there might be a lot of things to do to support the Cuban people. A lot of people are talking about, hey, maybe we can get some satellite internet in there. Uh, If Cuban people can establish communications with their relatives, you know, there's so many Cuban Americans in Florida and elsewhere in the United States that can maybe help facilitate these protests in some manner. But when it comes to the U.S. military, I, I think it's very important to heed the lessons that we learned from this 21st century of warfare against countries and entities that it really wasn't necessary whatsoever to to fight at the expense of tremendous cost to U.S. taxpayer and to the lives of our armed service members. War, promoting democratic regime change. You have to take a step back and remember how that worked out in Afghanistan and Iraq. The U.S. had, under Bush, Obama, the U.S. sent troops everywhere throughout the entire continent of Africa to, to do this regime change, the, mili- the military primacy, preemption, multilateralism, spread of democracy. These were all the core tenets of this preemptive war idea. And just how has that worked out? What's going on in Afghanistan right now? We left and the government has fallen apart within seconds uh, of leaving so that that didn't work Uh, but the idea that there's going to be a threat that the the hypothetical scenario leads you to a point where you can almost justify regime change anywhere and everywhere and claim that it is in the u.s military's best interests because you, you you 
you concoct all of these hypothetical scenarios and then you say, oh, based on that, do you really want to live next to a nuclear armed Cuba? But the U.S. like say, OK, pump the brakes for a second. I'm not. What if there never is a nuclear armed Cuba? You have to think about it from this scenario, too. Does does China really want to push us that hard on Cuba? I don't really think that they have an interest in getting to such an a heavy war footing with us that they'd be willing to send nuclear weapons uh, to Cuba. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's a conversation that needs to be had in the moment. The, the, the preemptive war strategy is so dangerous and so destructive. And if there's one thing that we learned in the post 9-11 era, it should be to totally disregard the Bush doctrine, which is a total failure. This preemptive war concept is so dangerous. And again, it goes so far away from the fundamental point of having a military, which is just simply to protect our sovereignty and our security. The preemptive stuff gets into this guessing game with ideologues, with the elites, the so-called elites that run our institutions. Do not give them this type of power. Um, there's just no case for U.S. military action here. And although I'm not going to be the guy who says that, oh, we need to lift these sanctions immediately, the track record of U.S. sanctions on Cuba, which, by the way, were established basically right after the communist regime took over, the track record is, is completely empty. People are saying, and this is really the, um, the Cuban government's narrative under uh, President uh, Miguel Diaz-Canel, the Cuban government claims that it's the U.S. sanctions that are responsible for the economic struggles in Cuba. But that's, that's not the case. We who are economically literate know that everywhere communism has been tried, communism has led to death, starvation, poverty. There are no communist regimes anywhere in the world or socialist, heavily socialist regimes, basically the same thing, just different branding, that have led to incredible prosperity. So the Cuban government's angle is that, oh, you know, the U.S. needs to lift the sanctions and everything will get back to normal. The corporate press seems to be echoing that. My position on the sanctions is that they just haven't worked. The, the Cuban uh, Communist Party has been in control and, and sanctions were supposed to uh, alleviate their control. Uh, I don't think the sanctions have made Cuba poor. I think it, it, it's maybe helped to make it more difficult um, for some for Cuba to trade in places, but I, I think that the sanctions have not been helpful in determining any type of U.S. objective. And again, everyone who loves freedom should support Cu the Cuban people's right to basic human rights. And, and I think it's even worth taking a look at bringing back something along the lines of a wet foot, dry foot policy, which was sadly canceled by Barack Obama. What it used to imply was that people who are escaping can somehow end up on the beach. That means that they have obtained refugee status, but if they're on in a boat, then if the Coast Guard catches them, the Coast Guard will send them back to Cuba. So I'm, I'm all for um, even having the Coast Guard in, in U.S. territory uh, you know, assisting these, these Cubans who are escaping. Uh, I think that's a very noble role. And, you know, if you see them offshore, help them in instead of turning them back. 
Um, of course, I don't want this to lead to military conflict, so this would have to be some you know agreed upon territorial guidelines on this policy. But I think I always thought that wet foot, dry foot was was too tough on Cubans that were escaping. So it, you know that's one way to assist Cubans through governmental action that I think is definitely worth looking at. But again, when we're talking about military intervention, people say, oh, Cuba's, uh, well, the proponents for military intervention say Cuba's only 90 miles off the coast, all true. This is a horrible regime that treats its citizens poorly and they don't have any rights, true. But we have to remember that the role of the military is not to assist other people it's to defend the sovereignty of the United States. And the military should have a very limited role. Once we get into this expansive thinking on what the military is capable of doing, we fall into the, the same trap of the 21st century foreign policy boondoggles. And you know, even going back to anywhere in the post-World War II era, we've made so many mistakes in utilizing our military, so now it's not the time. And even though there's all these hypotheticals being drawn up. People are saying, oh, uh, you know, Russia and China, they're going to get in there. Venezuela is going to get in there and we're going to have nukes in Cuba. And people are drawing all these hypothetical scenarios that I think are uh, way too early to determine. Yes, if there are <laughs> nukes being uh, transported into Cuba, that definitely changes the game. But that's not what is happening right now. Cuba, the Cuban military, while it does have a sophisticated intelligence apparatus, does not oppose a threat to the United States whatsoever. It would be a joke to even make that claim. And the, you know, Cuba, a lot of people say, based on the distance narrative, only 90 miles, it's in the Western Hemisphere, that you know, this is the reason why, why we need to act, is because Cuba is so close to us, and, and it's, it's in our interest to... to protect our nation's interests that way. I don't really buy that argument. And you have to remember that not only are there like a hundred countries that are that are not free, maybe a few dozen that are considered dictatorships, but there's several countries that are also in the Western Hemisphere that also face these very similar problems. You have Suriname, Bolivia, um, Venezuela, El Salvador is a rough place, Dominican Republic's a rough place. Haiti, the president was just assassinated. There's a lot of places in the Western Hemisphere where you can have these, um, you know, idealists, neoconservatives, Wilsonians making the case for U.S. military intervention. So you have to very, be very careful with that strategy. regime. We should have nothing to do with this from a military standpoint whatsoever. I fully support the Cuban people's right to their dignity, to their individual rights, their basic human freedoms, and I hope they acquire it. And I can't stress enough how important it has been, the contributions that Cuban Americans have made to our society. Perhaps the most uh, based uh, refugee group in our in our modern history, especially as a Floridian, the, the Cuban uh, refugee community and the descendants of that community have done so many good things. And if that community 
and other private American citizens want to do something to help support the downfall of the communist regime in Cuba, I'm all for it. And I'm rooting for the communist regime's destruction because communism is one of the most evil ideologies in human history, if not the most evil ideology in human history. Its death toll, hundreds of millions of people, really, really makes that case pretty solid. All the famine, starvation, genocide surrounding communism. Communism is awful. And we have to just continue to remember that there are uh, about 100 countries that where people are living under oppressive conditions. The U.S. cannot save everyone. It is not the role of the United States, especially as a you know, now a power sadly in decline, to save the world. The U.S. should be looking out for its citizens' interests and protecting, and the U.S. military should be protecting U.S. citizens, um, not foreign citizens. So again, we, we can't save everyone. Um, I'm really rooting for the, the Cuban people here. I hope that you know, at some point in the near future, they can rid themselves of this communist regime. If not rid themselves of this communism, communist regime, find a way to escape your country, get out of there, uh, come to the United States, uh, become a citizen here or, or wherever. I fully support the Cuban people's rights to uh, all of the freedoms and dignity that they deserve, but there's just no U.S. military role to be had here.